the man. I bring the hard rhymes through. That's why I'm all times two. Half past despicable. Last man to bring it through. Fast raps and critical stack. Analytical slap slap. I'm hitting. Oh, uh, I found out this week, thanks to dinguses who like to waste my time on Twitter, uh, I found out what my name would be if I were a racehorse. And just for the record, um, if you ever get a chance to bet on a horse called uh, God Complex Bacon Breakfast Toaster, that's me. Put me in a in a trifecta or something. I'll work for you, honey. You smack, smack, I'm sticking you smack, lip to stack tip, all with the lyrical technique. For party crashes, liquor spilling mayhem. Fuck cops to play them, super bitches to slay them. Saw serious biz, no time remains for the cattle defecation. You spitting right in this brain, what the f? Welcome to episode 64 of Breakup Gaming Society. I'm your host and friend, the great unclean one. And uh, the theme of today's show is uh, well, every show is booze, board games, hip hop and personal reflections and editorializing thereon. But uh, today's a special theme. It's, and the, sh- the theme is basically shit I'm not, liquor I'm not buying again, games I'm not playing again, and hip-hop track I don't want to play again. And I'll, But then at the end, because this is who I am, there's a bunch of other shit I don't like. You're going to hear about that on the outro. Let's get, let's get, just get right into it. Oh, and by the way, I know the frequency of this show for my seven listeners worldwide uh, has been very slow of late. If you want to know why, um, pop over to LinkedIn. I'm Nate Warren. In addition to this, I've also started a little, hey, look what I found in the world of board games and TTRPGs. And I've I've also been uh, quasi-active on YouTube, Breakup Gaming Society. I've been documenting in very low res, my adventures of picking up a paintbrush and trying to do miniatures again. So my mic's been off, but I've been working, I promise. Let's do Drink of the Week, because you're never going to hear about this again. Well, I've been through hard times too, the situation's a man, I bring the hard rhymes through, that's why I'm hard times too, half past despicable, last... Now, my limited and tragic cinnamon whiskey drinking career began as a joke between me and my ex-wife. We were stocking up at the liquor store. Our favorite board game couple slash uh, alcoholic enablers were coming over. We were we were stocking up. We were we were all good buddies. And I said, "Let's get something really lame for Jay as a surprise." And I said, Let, "Let's let's go around the store and just buy the stupidest shit we see." Now we had no idea this was actually becoming a shot doing phenomenon, but we ended up. Buying a pint of Fireball. This was many years ago. I didn't know it was popular. I thought it looked stupid. And I remember we pulled it out on Jay, expecting him to grimace. And he looks at looks at us and his face lights up. He's like, I fucking love Fireball, dude. And we ended up drinking it for months. Until I discovered what is now branded as uh, Bradley Schrader's uh, Outlaw Cinnamon Whiskey. Bradley is a, a country, country dude uh, who I think bought the recipe from a guy who was distilling the recipe uh, near Larkspur, Colorado, and wanted to get out of the business. And I think I think Brad bought at least that part of it. It's a damn good cinnamon whiskey. It does what you kind of wanted Fireball to do the first time, which is give me some cinnamon and something that tastes like whiskey. I liked uh, Outlaw slash Mystic Mountain a lot. I think he called it Aces High before uh, Schroeder rebranded it. 
And I liked it because it tasted like cinnamon, uh, neatly fused with like a Jim Beam level bourbon. And I was like, that's the way it should be. But I tried a third. I was up at a liquor store in Pueblo and I picked up a bottle of Five Alarm Cinnamon Fire Bourbon. I was like, it's been a long time since I, you know, tried something, uh, a cinnamon whiskey. Let's do it. It's by 1350 Distillery, uh, Distilling out of Colorado Springs. Another plus for me. I love being able to, uh, when I buy a bottle of hooch, buy from distillers right here in the beautiful box state, Colorado. And, uh, you know, I had a couple things going for it that I really like. And you, you'll ask me, do, do I like this stuff? The answer is yes, but there's a, there's a big asterisk over that. But yeah, Five Alarm Cinnamon Fire bur- Bourbon, a cool rectangular bottle. Here's you know, the first thing they did to really sell it. When you pick it up, there's actually sediment at, at the bottom of the bottle shifting around. It looks like, you know, cinnamon pulp, cinnamon sediment, dust. I'm like, that's cool. If if you know, you're selling me natural flavors right now, at least at least visually, I like it. It's from Colorado. That's a plus. Drained the fifth over several sittings, and I liked it. Now, except here's here's the one catch, well two catches. One, um, they really got the nice front end cinnamon burn right. It it's delicious, but for some reason, at least for me, when I wanted the sort of you know, one-two punch, cinnamon, then whiskey. It was really heavy cinnamon, and I never quite got that round, bourbony or whiskey taste at the end of it. It was just just a really nasally cinnamon at the front, and then it was just liquid, at least to me. Um, now, you know, that being said, if I were over at your house and you pulled this out, you have a shot of it, I would drink it. It's pretty good, but I, it still has the tag on it from the store I got in Pueblo. But for $48 a fifth, mm-mm. I'll be more inclined in the future to go back and find me a bottle of uh, Outlaw Cinnamon Whiskey because I think they got the cinnamon whiskey thing right. Do you, do you have a, a flavored whiskey that's good? And by the way, I'm not admitting anything like fucking peanut butter whiskey or whatever the hell weird preversions y'all are doing out there. You know, I talk cinnamon whiskey, reasonable flavorings. I don't, I don't want caviar whiskey. I don't want Applebee's whiskey. But I would I would try another cinnamon whiskey if someone think, thinks uh, they they found a good one. But for uh, pleasure delivered and and price pr- 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 price point endured, I'm going with uh, Bradley Schroeder's Outlaw. Of the three I've tried, it's by far, hands down the winner, at least in my limited experience. That's it for Drink of the Week. Next up, let's talk about some games I don't want to play again. Well, I've been through hard times too. The situation demands I bring the hard rhymes through. That's why I'm hard times too. Now, before this polemic begins, you know, I, I, I feel like it's only fair to say that The Great Unclean One is not a board game reviewer. I talk about what I see in games. Games is biography. Things I like about, you know, you know the, way, the way they're structured, but... You know, if you want formal, exhaustive, rigorous board game reviews, that's not an arena I'm going to compete in. So just take this following list with a big grain of salt, because my biggest criteria for a game is, and most games are good. They just are. The, the, the average quality of design is just, you know, a lot better out of the box than it was 10 years ago. 
or 10 years before that, for the most part. So anyway, yeah, shit, I'm not playing again. Okay, first of all, I was reminded of it because I walked into the tech shop last summer. And uh, I was looking for the buddy of mine who owns it. And there were a bunch of the regulars sitting there playing a game. And I guess they were being nice. I guess they, you know, they felt need to warn me. I walk in they go, we're playing a very inappropriate game right now. And I looked over and I thought to myself, yeah, Cards Against Humanity is inappropriate. But, you know, not for the reasons you think. But, uh, yeah, Cards Against Humanity, the structured transgressive humor for people with zero imagination and no style. I don't know. If I have someone at my board game table, it's because they not only play hard and fair, it's because they know how to riff. And if your game group is worth half a shit, you're going to have a parallel game of Cards Against Humanity riffing off the game state the entire night. I don't need it in a standalone game. I, it's the same feeling like if somebody corners you at a barbecue and starts like telling you Deadpool quotes. Fuck that game. It's trash. Uh, Uno. You know, I played this once with uh, the family years ago. And, you know, and I have no grudge against quick playing family titles. I'll play some Yahtzee with you all night, uh, especially if you got some brown liquor. And I'm sure there's, you know, cunning and calculation that separates a good Uno player from a shitty Uno player. Uh, almost any game can become a great dueling space if everyone's bought in on it. But, but I guess I need a little more narrative meat on the take that skeleton I remember being on the third or fourth turn with my wife at the time and my stepdaughter. And the the only thing I kept thinking is, what am I doing? And when when is this going to stop? And I never played it again, and I don't think I ever will. That's, that's my, you know, a lot of games, you know, you read about, they're well-reviewed, and somehow on the night that they come out, it's just, I was like, I'm not having fun. This blows. So fuck Uno 2. Uh, third talisman now way back i was a regular denizen of the reddit board gaming community uh not anymore i stopped enjoying it there but there seemed to be a lot of affection for talisman and and i I think it was a game at that time a lot of the people on that forum had cut their teeth on even before Catan or something and and, you know and then i noticed it was was for 4.99 there was a, a a mobile a mobile app for it it was pretty good, so I bought it and played it. And I had fun with it for like a day or two. You know, land somewhere, pull a card, have an encounter, maybe get a magic thingy, get in a fight. It was a, it was fun enough until it got to this game stage where I think there was an inner ring of the board and you could only uh, access the inner ring of the board by landing on the entry point by exact roll. I think on two D6s, I can't remember, or maybe it was one, but I, I, I was sitting there one afternoon and I think I'd done something like two dozen turns just trying to get to the inner ring with all the encounters and everything just turning into the same dull blur and the spell broke. I just sat, I just looked up around the room and said, what am I doing? And I un- uninstalled it. And I haven't thought about it again till right now. And then lastly, uh, Mysterium and its variants. Now, if somebody was curious about hobby gaming 
and they and they said, "Hey, great unclean one, I have some friends who are going to invite me over to play something called Mysterium. Should I play?" I'm going to say yes. You absolutely should. It's a beautiful game, and we were lucky enough the night we learned it to have a a, a buddy, the same guy I tried to trick with Fireball, but who ended up liking it, and uh, he'd done a good job with the rules and and guided us through it, and I was really enjoying the structure of it and the way um, they get the, the, the characters who are psychics trying to uh, talk to the, the spirit of a murdered person and discern the murdered person's uh, attacker through clues that you're receiving in images. Very cool concept and executed beautifully. It's a beautiful game. And we had fun. Ran out and bought our own copy afterward. And we tried to play it once and it was somehow... In a way I cannot describe. It just wasn't that fun. And then uh, about a year ago, I was in Chicago. And my young cousins showed up. The hotel with a stack of board games. And they had some miniature version of Mysterium. And then it was was a third play. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I don't like this game. And I figured out why. I, I find its central piece of player agency. That is how you move the action or the game state forward, uh, which is, you know, trying to guess obscure clues from a picture. I don't want to do that. I just don't. It doesn't... Even when I'm playing a game where I'm floundering and getting my ass kicked, there still has to be some sort of, I play this, then something happens. Something moves. I remember my... I just... I, I just didn't want to guess anymore. Okay, it's so-and-so. No, not again. Think harder. I don't want to think harder. I don't want to stare at this picture for three turns. Even if I'm screwing up, I at least want to be able to move one of my meeples. Or I want some physical reaction from one of my decisions to manifest on the dang table. Not having some drunk cousin sitting there yelling at me. No, guess again. I don't want to guess again. That's why I don't like Mysterium. But you know what? If you haven't played it, you might love it. Because I think it's objectively a good game, even though I'm a cranky piece of shit. Next up, hip-hop track I'm not going to play again. Despite the fact that it was recommended to me by two uh, music people, I very much admire. Track of the week coming up. Mos Def slash Yasin Bey, one of the most brilliant humans ever to touch a mic had one of the other most brilliant humans ever to touch a mic, Slick Rick, a.k.a. The Ruler, come to a guest shot on a song of his called Auditorium. Now on paper, this is something that gets my salivary glands going, Mos Def and Slick Rick, especially since they were, especially Slick Rick, was a veteran with lots of microphone seasoning. I was like, oh, this is going to be out of the park tour de force. And not once, but twice, dudes I listen to on Twitter and whose musical tastes I really enjoy told me to play it. I'm like, boy, if I've heard this twice now, I better give this another look. And the same thing that happened, happened, you know, the, the, the first and second time happened the third time. Couldn't get through the song. So I'd hit the, set, the first or second verse or chorus and I, I would just drift away and start listening to something else. Why is that? two of the best MCs ever. I can't get through their song. Or one, I hate to sample. Just seems to 
drift around in a very dilatory manner. I don't like the I don't like the way it's looped. You know, it's weird the psychology, the delicate psychology of samples and loops. Uh, Cream by Wu Tang and um, Today Was a Good Day by Ice Cube. Those are two of the songs you're supposed to love if you're ahead. I hate both those songs because of the sample. It's the way it loops. It sets off some kind of rage response in me where it's been on for 20 seconds and I just want to climb or jump out of a window. Can't stand the songs. Now, why do, why do those songs evoke that response? But on the next day, I can listen to the Bomb Squad loop an air raid siren for four and a half minutes and be happy to the point of hypnosis. It's just one of the great human mysteries of music, I suppose. As long as we're on the subject, I hated the drums. Boring snare. Boring tempo. Just flat. And, uh, you know, and I realized... And, and this is the third part, but by the time Mos Def, and that was the name he was recording under at the time when he, when he released this, and I realized that, you know, dude had the soul of an artist. He wasn't just going to sit there and, and do black on both sides all over again. He was going to strike out and experiment and take some chances, which is cool, but it didn't work for me. And, um, you know, if you like hearing either of these dudes, and, you know, by the time... You know, Slick Rick comes by the time it's his his verse. I've already emotionally just checked out of the song, and the fact is, there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of better places to get what what you know the the real goods that these cats deliver. So instead, while we're on the subject of Slick Rick, um, let's talk about the art of storytelling. Slick Rick, he of the eye patch. He of the gold medallions the size of dinner plates and uh, that loose, lilting delivery that sounds almost a feat until you realize he's spitting some of the most savage battle rhymes of all time. What I'm, what I'm talking about is a song called I Own America Part One. Now, you're going to hear a rhyme like during one of these segments that I think would, uh, at, at the time it came out, I think there was some prominent writer for one of the big hip-hop mags who said it was, quote-unquote, one of the worst rhymes ever written. And I listened to it like, what are you, crazy? It's fantastic. It's savage. Um, here's a selection from I Own America, Part 1, by The Ruler, Slick Rick. So crazy, I smash ripping up the place. Give the Mac a taste. I wipe my ass with a rapper face. Cars come to a dead stop. Rain find ways not to drop on my head top. Tycoon rush at the riches. But my complexion is a must-have to bitches Even without car money to budget I would have the most elegant apartment in the project you know what I mean? Bitches aren't or at the link Oh yes, he of the filthy, lethal braggadocio The pornographic imagination and vocab arsenal He of the effortless conversational flow With multiple characters carrying on dialogues Although that's not the case here, the main point of this story is that all other rappers are trash. Exhibit B. Who the one who entertain and fume with? Who you low-breed humans can't be in the same room with? Brief and sweet, wrap it up, thief excrete. Every rapper rap maggot underneath Rick's feet. Evicted, why you trying to find shit to lick with? Even your kids tell you that you ain't shit to slick Rick. Though you pretend to be glory, I'm number one, that's the end of the story. 
the black clock gay Bolivian I'm every single one fronting on your label is a bomb let me slow it down that's enough of that this I have to say to you nothing of a rapper so yeah um with, the, with stuff like that you know I'm just not going to commit to three or four whole minutes of my life to something like auditorium when I can put on a track like this and be thrilled um, every time. And I still laugh at some of the snaps, even though I've, I've heard it 30, 40, 50 times. So there you go. I own America with Slick Rick, who you should listen to everywhere except auditorium by Mos Def. That's, that's what I'm sticking with. This is the end of the episode. I would love it if uh, some of y'all would creep over and just subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm I'm, I'm doing some stuff, or if you kind of like my the, the off-kilter way I go at things, uh, I just completed a mini-painting thing, and uh, I think there's four or five short videos in that series. Head on over and give me a subscribe. It's not that hard. And while we're at it, because it's not really booze, board games, or hip-hop, I just bulleted out some other stuff that I'm not doing anymore. As you may know, uh, I'm an eccentric with a short temper, and I'm aging. So take that into account. But you'll notice a common theme here, and that's consumer activities, of which I've reflexively taken part in my whole life. But now I'm not going to do any more. Um, One, putting my money in a major consumer bank. I had to claw my way out of my BBVA Compass account like 10 years ago. It was amazing the work I had to put in to close that. They literally like wouldn't let me. It took weeks of uh, multi-channel badgering before they actually closed the thing. I remember being tired of their fees, tired of the knowledge that, at least in commercial banking, there are two major groups of people. There are large depositors who are there to be given, you know, afforded every courtesy. And there are schmucks like you who um, are there to be saddled with every fee they can dream up. I just got tired of it. And um, I, I went in to close the account. They basically told me I could take the money out. But I was like, I was sitting there telling them, the manager came over. I'm like, I don't want to do business with you anymore. I want this account to be gone. It's like, I want a piece of paper saying this account is closed. And she looked right at me and said, we don't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? You're saying? And she just, that, 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 that was her talking point. Every time I, we don't do that. What do you mean you don't do that? I I have to be at your bank. Anyway, BBVA, Citibank, U.S. Bank, especially Wells Fargo's, HSBC, they're they're fucking criminal organizations. I love my credit union. All the same services, and they're nice to me. Um, Other shit I'm not doing anymore. Acknowledging the unholy trinity of fake corporate holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day. Fake Fake, fake. How did we get collectively hypnotized into thinking we're bad people if we don't make reservations for a prefix bullshit restaurant that we're bad boyfriends or bad daughters or whatever? You want to live in a better world where you're not leveraged by the same six assholes when you wake up every day? Start by clawing back the days on your calendar one bloody square at a time. I've already told people that, you know, uh, who, who still remember... Uh, <laughs> that uh, I'm technically a stepdad. That uh, he hit me up on Father's Day. I'm like, you don't have to, man. I don't want to hear it. I I don't need to be. I don't need cues from corporations to tell me 
who I'm supposed to show appreciation to in my life or on what day. It's obnoxious. Matter of fact, I've even, my sweet mom, I've even got her trained. I'll call her two days later. We had a great talk. But I, I just, I just told her, I'm, I quit. I don't do it. Um, flying. Commercial airlines. Again, uh, you know, it's another bleak. And if you think about it, more optional than you think it is. A microcosm of a rapidly stratifying economy where you can either shell out to be, you know, fetid like some CEO or Instagram twat, or basically be shoved, you know, onto a municipal bus with wings full of fed up staff and deliriously boring people going to cool places to do boring things for no justifiable reason at all. Do you know how many places I can drive? I can feel the contempt of the oligopolists on the board of these shit companies at every customer touchpoint. And when it comes down to it, I don't need to go to Mazatlan or Philadelphia. Anywhere you are where you have an unstructured day to dispose of as you will, that place is a vacation spot. How did we make all the worst people in the world the logistical arbiters of how and when we enjoy ourselves? I'm not Plus, you know, you get on these things, and I got to the point where I can actually feel just giant SARS globe globules just breaking on my head like water balloons. Fucking disgusting experience, and it's tiring. And plus, you piss away like, you know, if you got seven days off, the first day and a half at the beginning and the end are terrible. It's supposed to be fun. Why? why I'm not breathing in any more fucking SARS or or fucking people who I know don't wash their hands when I go to the bathroom. You know, and, and what's the pot of gold at the end of putting up with all that? I mean, you go to a Harry Potter ride, you must be out of your fucking mind. I'd rather spend a weekend masturbating at a truck stop than let these people shape my life. It's bad enough you have to work for them during the day. Then you turn around and give them your credit card to shape your ideas of downtime. Jesus fucking Christ. And you know, and here's one more thing. 